0: claim to be a fan of this team. Uh, the New York Rangers. This is our fight zone? This is your win horn.
1: Oh.
2: Where's the horn?
0: It was at the beginning. I didn't know uh, if you wanted to blast it. Oh, I did. I know you did. That's why I'm playing it.
2: Yeah, I can't I'm- keep
0: playing Empire State of Mind. <laughs> i got to diversify just a little bit.
2: I got it. Happy uh, Wednesday, everybody. Welcome to the Beat of Sports. I'm Mar Daniels on the eve of Thanksgiving. Glad you're hanging out with us. Um, maybe some of you with the day off today, spending some extra time. We appreciate that. Japan has just scored to make things leveled against Germany 1-1 in their World Cup match. Wow. Uh we got a couple of World Cup updates uh, coming up for you. Uh, there was a match played earlier uh, today Morocco and Croatia, a scoreless draw, and Germany Japan now tied at uh, one. Um, like I said, we got a lot of Friday things today. JC Carney is going to talk some high school football with us, uh, his playoff preview a little bit. Michael Don a little bit later. Gary Paris would also uh, join us. So uh, we'll be football intensive. Uh, shock is the word to describe last night's college football playoff rankings when they came out. I was sitting there uh, in front of my computer, Scott. I'd spent a little bit of time early in the day, far too much time, <laughs> and admittingly biased about going, well, you know, I, I, I was trying to figure out a way, Scott, to get UCF 25th, having no voice in the process. And I had papers all over my desk and everything. Write a letter? And I had charts, you know, Scott, mm-hmm. and, and, and doing deep stuff. And... I said, man, maybe there's a way to be 25. And I said, you know, sometimes, like, people that vote in the AP poll and whoever votes in the coaches poll, sometimes you're like, who am I putting 21 to 25? And you're just scrambling to put teams in there. And it got a little bit fuzzy. And and as I wrote my column, the traffic around UCF kind of made it like, I guess they could be ranked. I didn't think they'd be 22. When it came out, it was wow. And uh, as I wrote in my column today, I think there are a couple reasons for it. Now we can you know... They'd sell your data. Sarcastically go, well, what a great job with the committee. And like I did say to Mike Bianchi, on the top of this uh, uh, ranking, it does drive me a little bit crazy how some college football media people then will quickly jump on Twitter oh, the committee's awful, and this is ridiculous, So they watch games. And as We've done interviews, and it's my opinion, and it's just that an opinion. I think the screaming college football media person on Twitter, and it it's fine to debate the LSU, USC, where they should be ranked, and then play all these playoff scenarios. It is the beauty. I, I said this to Mike on the bridge. The great Roy Kramer, the commissioner of the SEC years ago, when he led the cause to get you a bowl alliance and coalition and then the bcs he said one of the greatest things about college football and now in this debate is uh you talk about the game sunday through friday and you argue about who's better and who should be ranked and today it still resonates but i said this about the committee they have access to more information than any member of the media anybody i mean there's some members of the media that, that that pay for the services that the college football committee gets access to. You know, comparing teams and strength of schedule and strength of record and game control and valuable possessions and tossing out blowout possessions. I mean, there's some that do that, and good for them. Most don't. Most scream, you know, at the committee about, you know, what are they watching? And the answer is, you're going on a gut check. They're going on data. They'll put eight different schedules. Up on a screen and compare teams and stuff. We've we've had people that have done the you know the mock media sessions. I've spoken to people, not just Terry Mahaja, but others that have sat on that committee to say, tell me what goes on at the top of the rankings, at the bottom of the rankings, why it matters from ten to twenty, and the answer is, you know why it matters because it matters. About one, two, three, and four, if you're playing some of those teams 10 through 20, it really matters. Why does 21 to 25 matter? It's because it impacts teams like a, uh, a UCF. So I think the resume for UCF was the wins over Tulane and Cincinnati, and Louisville getting into the poll helps their strength of record and strength of schedule. Uh, Tulane's going to win over Kansas State. They didn't beat UCF. They have a chance to play Cincinnati. Cincinnati. They lost to UCF. Now they'll play Tulane. The one other big game they had was Arkansas at the beginning of the year. Certainly it was a quality game. They lost that one possession, but now Arkansas' six and five. They have no other big win. Like last year, they beat Indiana early when people thought Indiana was good. They beat Notre Dame, and they were already ranked high. And if you go around the top 25 and you look at teams and who they played against, currently ranked top 25 teams in the college football committee's rankings, again, I'm not saying UCF's as good as Michigan. I'm just pointing out Michigan's played. One team right now that's ranked. Illinois was. They beat them. But they got one win against a current top 25 team. That's Penn State, who, by the way, is 0-2 against ranked teams in the top 25. They lost to Michigan and Ohio State. North Carolina just lost to Georgia Tech, who got beat by UCF. North Carolina's got one game against a team inside the top 25. And they lost. So the traffic around the bottom part of that ranking... And again, the committee doesn't tell you who twenty-six to thirty is, but if you look at teams that were in the bottom part of the AP and the coaches poll, they were in that you know twenty-two to thirty-two range, and you start peeling back their resumes. Like Oklahoma State, they've lost three of four. They've trended in the wrong direction. There's other four-loss teams. NC State's got four losses now. Um, the Sun Belt's got three teams: Coastal Carolina nine and one, Troy and South Alabama nine and two. Um, and getting more love in the AP and the coaches' poll. But again, these metrics that the committee looks at, here's the problem with the three Sunbelt teams. All three having great seasons. They played a combined two games against teams that are ranked in the top 25. Troy lost to Ole Miss. South Alabama could have been UCLA, but they lost at the buzzer. Uh, and that's it. They have no wins against a top 25 team, and those are the only two they played. And then when you start doing a deeper dive into the metrics that the committee does emphasize, strength of schedule, strength of record, game control, quality of opponents, throwing out you know, the blowout uh, possessions, they don't stack up. The three Sunbelt teams are nowhere near the three American teams. So as you began to eliminate teams, you're like, well, I, I guess it's possible that UCF can be ranked. And the other thing, again, the brand value. Like I can discuss with Mike. There's plenty of national both fans and members of the media. By the way, Japan just scored to go up two one on Germany. Wow! Um, that hate UCF. They hate them from 2017. Hate you know the quote Twitter mafia. But it's still built a brand, and they're 58 and 15. From 2017 on. And and I, I think there's a value in what Cincinnati, Houston, and UCF have benefited by getting into the Big 12, the coverage of that, maybe to influence a couple of members of the media. Whatever it is, I don't know. But I do think that also is a factor. And now, now you've got to run with it. I mean, they've lost the chance to host the conference title game. But now... They win Saturday. They're in the title game. And yes, I do appreciate a couple people pointed out, and I'm editing my column now. Last night's college football playoff ranking is the one that now matters. Next week's ranking does not impact the scenario of UCF winning and getting in. If for some reason Tulane and Cincinnati play this classic, incredible game, and the committee thinks, wow, I don't think we should drop Tulane. that f-. It doesn't matter. Where UCF is now, this is the last ranking they use to break that tie when it comes to what would be 3 tie teams if Houston was to win. If Houston loses, then UCF has a tiebreaker over both Cincinnati and Tulane. But that poll last night is the last one that they'll use in the event of a three-team tie if you have teams ranked in the top 25. So whatever the reason is, the resume of wins, uh, the brand build in the last few years, doesn't matter. For the argument up top on the national level about LSU and USC, here's where I think also some West Coast people are losing their mind right now. Screaming that USC should be ranked out of LSU, it's SEC bias. Okay, remember, the committee is not assuming anything about Notre Dame and the Pac-12 title game. The committee didn't tell you last night there's no way that USC is going to move ahead of LSU. LSU is now where they are if they win. Listen, LSU's got to play Georgia. Relax right now if if you're a USC fan. To some degree, who cares where they are right now? Let USC go out and play Notre Dame. And if they win, maybe the committee will be impressed, and that'll change a vote. Then they would play in a Pac-12 title game. Let them play that game. Let the body of work play itself out. And the committee may feel in two weeks, hey, what USC's done against UCLA, Notre Dame, a Pac-12 championship, it's worthy of moving them here, ahead of LSU. And if Georgia beats LSU, then it's a moot point. Now, there's potential chaos in there, and there's Michigan, Ohio State. And if they play a great game, should they fall behind? I don't know. That's the great thing about what we're doing the next couple of weeks is that we got these games to play. So, I I didn't really understand. I mean, I, it, it's great for the talk, but if you're on the West Coast losing your mind because LSU's ranked ahead of USC, well, it's the body of work, and you may not like the answer the Boo Corrigan, the committee chair, gave you about their defense game, but they won a great game. It was a great game. It was a phenomenal football game. But his point about the defense, I, listen, that he, he gave you an answer. And there may be other metrics in comparing schedules right now of the body of work. USC's going to benefit by playing Notre Dame. LSU will not get any schedule benefit by their game this week. So that's the beauty of all of it. Our World Cup schedule is brought to you by our friends at Greenway Dodge and Greenway Ford. And uh, Morocco and Croatia scoreless us uh, draw earlier. Japan leads Germany 2-1 in the 87th minute. Later today, Spain, Costa Rica, Belgium, and Canada is your World Cup schedule. Brought to you by Greenway Dodge and Greenway Ford. Take 50% off manufacturer suggested retail markup. One location, 2,000 vehicles available. Visit our shop GreenwayDodge.com and GreenwayFord.com. Your complete satisfaction is our commitment. Greenway, the only way. J.C. Carnahan, high school football preview the playoff action coming up next.
3: It's time to preview the night of high school football action across Central Florida with the Orlando Sentinels' J.C. Carnahan. Be sure to check out
1: the Sentinels' coverage at OrlandoSentinel.com and click on the varsity section.
2: So big he gets his own music library, J.C. Carnahan. Covers high school football for the Orlando Sentinel. As good as anybody out there. Soundgarden. Yeah. What about that?
4: Yeah, man, I'll tell you what, this actually makes me want to pull out some Soundgarden uh, uh, music later on today, man, to get ready, you know, to head into this holiday weekend, man. Looking forward to it. All
2: right, we got a lot of football to get to because of the way uh, the playoffs are set up, Uh, uh, scheduling's even a challenge, so let's kind of walk through some things and go back to last week. Uh class four uh Metro uh wow. Let's start. Lake Mary beat Seminole last week, twelve eight. The other side of that bracket of pop could beat Winter Park twenty eight to seven. Before we talk about their game this week, how about Lake Mary beating Seminole?
4: Yeah, and I think, you know, it's it's crazy. The conversation that we had last week talking about uh you know the win streak that Seminole had over Lake Mary and kind of the mental hurdle that that existed there and you know, for it to be a a twelve to eight game that came down to the final minutes, Lake Mary heads down, gets a touchdown. Must have been a broken play in the defense or something because it was a wide open, uh, really a wide open receiver in the end zone, and then the defense held strong and uh, ended the game. And Lake Mary celebrates. And uh, yeah, so a lot, I'm sure there's a lot to be happy about for Lake Mary, and a lot to be devastated about if you're a Seminole fan, for sure.
2: Uh, surprise at the 28-7 Apopka margin against uh, w- Winter Park.
4: Well, I'll tell you what, man. This is another example of just the program putting it all together late in the season. As we've seen time and time again, is uh, playing for a region championship for the fourth year in a row, um, which is, just sounds crazy. Um, and they jumped on Winter Park early, and they did a little bit of uh, spread offense, a little bit of the single-wing uh, run game. And uh the defense for Bale, that 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 uh, was a twenty eight to seven finish man that was pretty impressive
2: uh let's go to the bottom of that bracket. Akoey beats west orange twenty nine twenty eight another great football game they'll get East lake. Akoey's a football team that we talked about there in the year uh played a tough schedule, lost to Apopka by one, battled edgewater within ten lopsided game against West Orange a three point loss to Dr. Phillips. Maybe the strength of schedule helped a big overtime win against West Orange.
4: I you know I was at that game and the one thing that uh stood out and, and needs to be mentioned here, Cody actually threw uh turned the ball over on six interceptions in this game. Uh so you you know if you want to talk about uh you know kind of hanging around and 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 uh you know fighting throughout a whole whole uh, football game Cody certainly did that. West Orange just has to feel uh I mean it's just, that's a tough loss to take when you are able to inter- you know intercept six passes and still end up on the losing side man and and interesting to note as well a finished the regular season lo- uh, losers of 3 of their final 4 games um so you know we're talking about uh, not you know not only to get this far first time in the program history but to get a win like that against a rival man that's uh you yeah, know that says a lot
2: can they beat eastlake uh,
4: i don't know man here's the deal with eastlake man, they're averaging over 40 points per game uh they put it on olympia pretty good olympia turned the ball over uh, a few times in that game in the region quarterfinals, um so a koe is is going to have to be perfect in terms of on offense, not turning the ball over the defense i think can hang with anyone i mean you know calvin smith is 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 a heck of a playmaker along the defensive line for a he 's a kid that's uh, probably going to be you know among the all area selections uh after the season's done for us um so I think the defense you know uh, you know they can hang with them they are going to go up against a couple one thousand yard rushers at East Lake. Uh, but this is going to be a very tough matchup for Ocoee. They will have to play perfect football to be able to uh, keep it close and pull it out.
2: Whose defense has a better resume? Apopka's given up 10 points in two games. Lake Mary's given up eight.
4: Man, well, look, you know, these two teams played each other in the regular season, uh, and uh, it came down to the final minutes of the game. Apopka scored the late touchdown to pull it out 21-17. to and, and, you know, Lake Mary was one of those teams as, as the season started. Uh, there were a, a bunch of question marks. Well, actually, both teams are a lot of question marks because both teams lost so many uh, talented players from the senior class a year ago. and So so many different uh, younger players tend to step in, more particularly at Lake Mary. So I, I think I'm more surprised by uh, the defensive effort by Lake Mary this season than I am with the Popka. That seems just That machine just kind of seems to be moving along all the time. But it's younger kids at Lake Mary that are stepping up and making the big plays and that's something that, uh, I mean, man, when you look, look, you know, look at where they are, uh, uh, at this point in this season, where could they be in the next two or three years? It's worth noting as well, uh, just two years ago, Apopka and Lake Mary played in the region championship game. That game was seven to six in Apopka's favor. Um, so, uh, you know, but, but also worth noting, it's four in a row, I believe, for Apopka, uh, since 2019, uh, between these two teams, teams playing each other. Um, but Popka's defense is always phenomenal, not as surprising. Lake Mary, you've got to really tick your hat to what they've been
2: doing. Uh, quickly, 10 o'clock hour, WYGM Orlando, WJR, HD2, Cocoa Beach, Orlando Sports Leader, Mardin is a sports. J.C. Carnahan, the Orlando Sentinel with us. Our high school football playoff preview tonight. We're out Thursday and Friday, so J.C., kind of join us. Uh, if we go to uh, the Class 3M bracket on uh, the Metro side there, Edgewater, Beats Tampa Bay Tech twenty eight twenty four to advance. We'll get to the Jones Oviedo game in a second, but Edgewater and a four point win last week.
4: Yeah, you know I knew this game was going to be tougher. Uh, you know, obviously than the first matchup where they 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 uh, blew out their region quarterfinal opponent uh, Cedric Baxter back at running back for for uh, Edgewater. It's worth noting though, um, th- you know, there's there's plenty of other uh, standout players on this Edgewater team that are really helping. To uh, you know, continue this unbeaten season for the Eagles, and uh, it starts at quarterback. Chase Carter has been been uh, you know so great this season in terms of helping that run game, uh, which is now averaging what what two hundred twenty five yards, something like that, per game. Uh, and I think they've scored thirty seven rushing touchdowns as a team. Um, and then even on defense, uh, they created some turnovers last week against Tampa Bay Tech. Um, and all of those things are going to have to happen uh, as we, you know, start, you know, get closer to talking about this uh, match, this rematch with Jones. All that stuff's going to have to happen, being able to run the ball well, uh, you know, forcing a uh, turnover or two in the game, uh, of course, this weekend. Um, but uh, I knew it was going to be a tough matchup last week for Edgewater. Not so surprised that they, uh, you know, pulled it out in the end because uh, they are uh, one of the best teams in the state. When, when you look at the FHSAA power rankings uh, after the regular season, Edgewater, um, you know, you know, is ranked up there uh, number two, I believe, in the state uh, in all classifications. And Jones actually is number thirteen overall. So this weekend's matchup, two of the top teams in the entire state.
2: We talked last week about the scheduling uh, issues to get the game in, and they played it in the morning on Saturday. Jones beats Oviedo forty-nine to twenty-one. We'll get to why this week's game is also not Friday, but thoughts on the margin of Jones' victory against Oviedo.
4: Yeah, I mean, look, uh, you know, it's you know. Take nothing away from Oviedo and Oviedo's season, um, but they had just not seen a uh, team such as Jones, uh, you know, like they did on Saturday morning. Just a different uh, level of uh, play, and Jones jumped on Oviedo right away. I mean, from the opening minutes of the of, of the uh, game Saturday morning, uh, and it and it really was never close. And it's just a you know you know you know it, you know, it you know, it's just it just speaks to what uh, you know Jones is able to do. Not you know special teams, offense, defense. Um so that was a runaway there not as too surprising i think most people cuz as i said last week most people thought that that uh, obito didn't have much of a chance in the first round but uh, they impressed when they uh took uh, tampa Wharton to overtime to win that game so um but but you know i think that everyone who looked at this region um expected these two teams to be the final two teams uh playing for the championship and here we are now
2: Um Edgewater plays Jones before we get to the matchup. For those that are not aware, following what you've written, can you explain why this game is going to be played on a Saturday?
4: Yeah, I mean, you know, you know, a, a couple elements to it. So uh, it's going to be Saturday, one p.m., uh, which actually cuts into my Ohio State Michigan uh, viewing uh, experience. But uh, but you know, hey, uh, you know, the job the job comes first. But uh, you know, last week going into the game, uh, parents at Edgewater uh, they got a message from the principal saying, hey, we're going to put extra lighting in the Parking lot. We're going to have extra police presence, um, and then the official word from the school this week uh, after the move was made. Because I reached out to find out why the why the move was made, and they just said that hey, we wanted you know because Jones played Saturday, we wanted uh, both teams to have uh, you know about the same amount of time to uh, get ready for the game. We also wanted to you know uh, you know to have it on Saturday where we you know there's there's better chances of us stocking up on security and things like that. So. Uh, no real, you know, information on why the game was moved to Saturday afternoon. Um, you know, I, I, you know, look, um, you know, I know these teams will play any day, any time of the day, whatever, but uh, there's something special about a Friday night, and I think that, uh, you know, playing this at 1 o'clock in the afternoon kind of takes away from that. But it uh, should be a great game. I'm going to be there for it, and I'm looking forward to it.
2: A couple of other area teams keeping seasons uh, alive. Osceola in the defensive battle, Beach Treasure Coast. They get Vero Beach, which is always tough to go to. Vero Beach, Vero Beach played Treasure Coast, a common opponent there. Can the Cowboys go down and win at a tough place that very few teams have success at?
4: Well, and then this was the third game last week that uh, was a rematch. You know, we talked about Lake Marion and Seminole and Acoue and West Orange. Well, uh, this came down in the final minutes as well. Uh, it was it was close when the Osceola and Treasure Coast played early in the season. Close once again last week. Man, it was ten to seven. Osceola pulls that out, and um, you, you look. Uh, you would mention going down to Barrow Beach is no easy task, but I think that uh, you know, you know, I think Osceola is in good, good, good position here to pull out a win, uh, and I think this game is going to be very close. And I'll tell you why because defensively, uh, you know, the defensive front for Osceola, um, uh, you know, they've they've been great all season long. They can score uh, on special teams. Uh, they've got two great kick returners uh, to get it done. Uh, they've got a running game that uh, continues to churn it out. And I don't know if Barrow Beach offensively. Is the Vero Beach that I, that uh, you know that 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 they've been in recent years? So I think that you know it's going to be the defensive struggle. Uh, which team is going to come up with a big play in the end, kind of like Osceola did last week? Uh, so that should be another good one as well.
2: Playoff pedigree of Lakeland is as good as anybody in the country. We always uh, bring up a few times a year about uh, Lake Mineola, what they're doing. They can score points uh, over 500 points in 11 games this year. Uh, only loss was against uh, Mainland. Uh, can Lake Maniola take on uh, take down Lakeland?
4: This is another one of those things where I talked about Oviedo playing a you know a you know toughest opponent in Jones last week. Uh, Lake Maniola has not seen a team like uh, Lakeland this season, and Lakeland's one of the uh, best teams in the state. Uh, they're ranked nationally. Um, both these teams explosive on offense, uh, playing great defense. Uh, you know, of course, throughout the season uh Lake Maniola, you had mentioned the loss to mainland they they also have a close win against Makaiba. uh but as i said man um this will be the toughest uh, uh opponent for Lake Manila I, I mean a lot of people are not going to give Lake Manila much much uh, of a chance in here because when you look at the strength of schedule um you know Lake Manila is one of those teams that just that, that just doesn't stack up well in terms of uh you know comparing based on the competitive uh uh you know tough teams out there so going to be tough, but there's nothing to lose for Lake Mineola here, okay? Lake Mineola was a state runner-up in 2020, um, so this, this this almost fits into their advantage. They can throw the ball, they can run the ball, um, and if if they can keep the mistakes uh, out of the way, uh, and who knows? Maybe they can shock Lakeland, but it's going to be a tough one for them.
2: He's on Twitter at J.C. Carnes, ended with a Z. Uh, check all their work out also at OSVarsity on Twitter. The Sentinels got you covered for all the high school playoff games on Friday as well as the Saturday game uh, as well. Have a happy Thanksgiving. Thanks for everything and enjoy the weekend.
4: Happy Thanksgiving. You guys take care.
2: Uh, J.C. Carnahan with some good stuff previewing the upcoming weekend of playoff high school football action. Another stunner in the World Cup. Uh, Argentina lost to Saudi Arabia and uh, about ten minutes ago it's gone final. Japan- after trailing one nothing, beat Germany a 2-1. to That's why it's an amazing tournament.
0: And let's go now to Skip Bayless and Shannon Sharp to break it all down.
2: What did they, uh, uh, Patrick Beverly's defense for the Lakers? Yes, originally? that is
0: what they open their show with. Yeah. Right. World Cup, right into that. Right into that. Not even like post-match breakdown. No. Right into that. Yeah.
2: Laker defense and Patrick Beverly. Go. Yeah. There you go. So you break it down. Uh, Keith Smith's going to break down. I don't know, I'm going to ask him about Patrick Beverly's defense, but he's going to talk some NBA for this weekly visit uh, next. The Beat of Sports, Mark Handles, brought to you by our friends at Gentry Barbecue General Store. Celebrate Thanksgiving tomorrow. Many of you ordered those smoked turkeys and hams that you can be picking up from Chris Gentry. uh, For all your grilling needs, uh, please visit uh, Gentry's right behind that Krispy Kreme uh, in Winter Park. We saw some basketball with Keith Smith, who joins us on these Wednesdays. We always appreciate that. He's on Twitter at Keith Smith NBA. Keith, good morning. How are you?
3: I'm doing
2: well, thank you for having me. Uh, lots of stuff uh, to get to. By the way, Keith's got another uh, new pod up that he's uh, got out there. He's posting up uh, with Adam Taylor, so more work that you can get latest basketball news on. You can get the link if you go to again his uh, Twitter at Keith Smith NBA. I've said this, and I want your thoughts. Uh, it. it it's not criticizing the magic. I don't know why so many guys get hurt. It's difficult to judge Jamal Mosley because what am I judging? How he handles a short-handed uh, roster and rotation. But it is frustrating, and as I said, at some point now, a quarter of the season becomes a third of the season, where it's almost like another season is slipping away here. So I don't even know what I'm asking. Here, but so many guys are hurt. How do you even evaluate? Yeah, it's really
3: hard. I know people get upset when I say this, but losing losses don't really matter right now for the Magic. They they, they weren't going to be a very good team this year, no matter what. I know some had hopes that maybe they would make a run and and get into you know the play-in tournament and those kind of things. I thought that was always a little bit pie in the sky. But what does matter is development minutes and minutes where you can see this roster together and start to figure out who fits and who doesn't fit. And that's what you're losing here. The loss is in the standings. Who, it doesn't matter. No, no one should really care about that. What people should care about is we haven't seen any minutes with Paolo Bancaro and uh, Markel Fultz yet to see how do they work together as a duo. Can a front court of Carter, Bancaro, and Isaac play together? What does that look like? Um, we haven't seen any of that. Finally, mean, Gary Harris is back, starting to see that a little bit. But that's what we got to see. we got to get these guys on the floor, ideally, you know, for the last 60 or so games here and start to get a look at, all right, what does this look like uh, moving forward as, as we do start to uh, get to a point where wins and losses matter.
2: Yeah, it's just frustrating. Again, I don't know how you judge Jamal Moza. I think he's doing the best he can with the rotation that he's handed on a nightly basis, and it makes it hard to go out and uh, compete. Um, Can you explain how hard it is to do what P.J. Tucker has done, to play 30-plus minutes in four consecutive games and score no points?
3: Yeah, I I don't understand how that's happening. Um, You know, they uh, did did win for the 76ers Uh, yesterday. They needed... Uh, to, to get a win there, and they're, they're going to have to bank a couple while well, well, they get some of these guys out with injuries. They're, they're down you know, a lot of their top players. But yeah, P.J. Tucker was an interesting signing this offseason. Not so much the amount of money he got, but the fact that they gave him the length of contract that they did, uh, that raised a lot of eyebrows around the league because there are some who who really saw him slip majorly last season. So uh, I'm not entirely sure... You know how much he's got left in the tank. And I think by the time we get into the latter years of that contract, that's going to be one the Sixers may regret.
2: Are they, it, it, speaking of injuries, it just seems like they're going to have this all year long. And I wonder if Doc's like, get me through the year, keep me out of the play in, where it's almost like Philadelphia is saying, just give me six or better because it doesn't seem like they're going to get healthy.
3: Yeah, th- that's what happens when you build your team around a couple guys with known injury issues. I, James Harden went from being one of the more reliable uh, players in terms of injury uh, that were around for years and years. But now we've got a few years in a row of you know pretty lengthy injury history. And then when we get over to looking at Joel Embiid, you know he's going to miss 20, to 25, maybe even 30 games. It's either. It's just kind of how it works with him. So we're kind of at the point where are right, we going to start figuring – up out here Philadelphia depth-wise because they've left themselves a little bit shallow um, because all right, he's going to miss time, Harden misses time. Then you get a third and, and even a fourth guy, it's just Tobias Aresmith sometime, uh, and Tyrese Maxey's out. That's when the, your lack of depth really shows up.
2: Um, I watched a little bit of uh, both Magic games against the Pacers. Benedict Matherin's one of the really nice rookies, and in Indiana's playing pretty good basketball here.
3: Yeah, they really are. They're, they're one of the surprises of the league. Everybody's focused on Utah. Um, and rightly so, the Jazz have earned that, but the Pacers are right there too. They, they have played really, really good basketball for, um, you know, a while now. And I think with, um, you know, the, the Pacers, what they do is if folks haven't seen them, go watch because they're a fun watch. They get up and down the floor. They do a lot of things there. So yeah, we, we definitely want to, you know, make sure we're, we're checking out the, uh, you know, Pacers. Uh, When you have a chance, Tyrese Alburton is really good. Uh, That's a franchise, too, that I think we might have overreacted a little bit with. Well, they're going to get into the one Benyama sweepstakes, and they're going to take, and those kind of things, because that's not historically what they've done. They've been content to, you know, all right, let's make the push. Even if it's for the bottom of the playoff picture, we want to be in the mix.
2: Um, Has Mike Brown taken a little bit of the maybe Warriors of years ago and and, and maybe a little bit of Mike D'Antoni here? I'm just going to outshoot you. Uh, the Kings are kind of fun. they got six guys in double figures. They shoot a lot, and they're playing good ball.
3: They really are another fun story. You know, they, you again, get up and down the floor. Now, sometimes those things can be hard to sustain. There's occasions where all right, the teams that play really fast and, you know, their offense reliant, sometimes those, those teams don't have the staying power. But the game has figured some stuff out. They, they've made some really smart roster moves, uh, really good getting back to the Sabonis trade. I know Albert is great and giving him up was tough, but you rebalanced your roster in that deal. And then having, uh, you know, Demonis Sabonis in there now, he works with Darren Fox, created a pretty good two-man game, adding Kevin Harder. Malik Monk gave them the shooting that they were missing, uh, because too often or not, it would be the guard would fly up the floor, you know, create a transition opening, and then the shot would get missed, but now they're, they're in a position where, uh, you know, those shots are going down, so that's a really fun team out there in Sacramento.
2: Yeah, uh, every team's doing this, the Magic have a number, they just did it with Indiana, they got the Sixers, they got Toronto and Boston, they're these back-to-backs at home, Um Keith, has there been feedback? I mean, I know players probably like it because you're not know, traveling that extra trip, and uh, it seems like the league is committed to doing this. I don't know if there's a certain number that you can't go past, but has there been feedback on these many two-game sets?
3: Yeah, most of the coaches really like it because it cuts down on the travel, it cuts down on the prep time for, for their, their, their teams, and they can basically almost treat it like a mini-playoff series where you can actually game plan some stuff. I think the average fan doesn't realize how little game-to-game planning there is in the NBA regular season. And there's just not time to, to plan for a specific opponent. It is very much, um, you know, you run your stuff, and you do what you do uh, and hope that it works in a playoff series, because you know you're going to see a team four to seven times over a two-week period. You do game plan and build that out. So these mini-series give you a little bit of ability to do that. Now, on the downside, one of the things that has been mentioned is if you catch a team where all right, they had a guy rolling ankle and another guy's out with the flu. Now, all of a sudden, you, you, know, you caught them at the exact right time. and You don't get a real sense of you know, what, what is that team and how do we match up. That I think it's something that you know, they're going to consider a for. All right, these mini-series are okay, but we can't follow it up two weeks later with a team playing another one of these against the same team because then you play you know, your whole regular season schedule against that opponent crammed into you know, a period of
2: about two, three weeks, And that's not something we should have. Keith Smith is on Twitter at smith nba. Please follow his work there to all the stuff he writes in all of his podcasts as well. Thank you, Keith. Have a very happy holiday. Uh, there's Keith Smith uh, talking about uh, the NBA. The Magic are off uh, a couple of days before they get back in action on Friday. And speaking of those mini two-game sets, they'll have that. They'll take on the Sixers on Friday and then do it again On uh, Sunday, Uh, Philadelphia is part of a very busy schedule. Tonight in the NBA, uh, the Sixers will take on uh, the Hornets. And again, a lot of, uh, actually, it's a really good night of NBA basketball on the schedule uh, tonight. Uh, Reminder, we've got UCF basketball tonight. The Knights take on the Purple Aces of Evansville. Uh, We'll have coverage at 6.30. Tip is set for 7 o'clock tonight. And uh, UCF also is in action. They're going to take on Miami on Sunday. Big game for them. Uh, That tips at uh, 5 o'clock. So note that Sunday, 5 o'clock start. And, of course, the football game, UCF, is over in Tampa to take on South Florida. That's a 7 o'clock kick. We'll have pregame beginning at 5 o'clock coming up on uh, Saturday. Tomorrow on this station, lots of football action to celebrate uh, Thanksgiving. We've got uh, a very busy uh, schedule of football action uh, tomorrow. And uh, you can catch that here on 96.9 uh the game um we mentioned earlier and I got a column up at ninety six in the game dot com You could read about why I think the college football playoff committee had UCF ranked where they are twenty two I think the resume compared to other teams came into play, and uh I do think reputation also played an impact on uh, the committee, and you could check out the column when you start comparing the teams that are going to be at the bottom of the rankings, the two wins over Tulane and Cincinnati, and even the loss to Louisville comes to help UCF, as Louisville is ranked 25th. And when you start taking a look at things the committee looks at, those things matter about who you've played, who you beat. And the committee thinks well enough of Tulane Cincinnati that they are ranked. UCF's got two wins against them. There are a number of teams that are ranked ahead of UCF that don't have as many games against teams in the top 25. And, again, the tiebreaker in the American has already come into play. This week's college football rankings, where UCF now finds itself 22, is the tiebreaker if UCF beats South Florida. Next week's college football playoff rankings does not play a role in the tiebreaker, and UCF would uh, get in. Speaking of UCF, their game against South Florida, Drew Bellani is a good friend uh, who we always enjoy catching up with. And I sat uh, yesterday uh, across from when we were talking about uh, UCF football, and uh, he invites night fans the Poor Choice Tap House, Mills Fifty District, got a little gathering on uh, Saturday morning. Drew, how are you?
3: Good morning, Mark. How are you? Good.
2: good. I'm Very doing good great. weekend. Uh, insane after you and I met yesterday. Look what a few hours uh, does to change. Tell folks what they can enjoy if they're not going to Tampa. What's happening at Port Choice Taphouse on Saturday?
3: Oh, well, we're going to be ready, Mark, on Saturday. We're ready for the big game. As you can tell, we've been gifted a nice little ranking here, and we're going to make it all worthwhile on Saturday. Uh, we'll have the watch party on starting about 6 o'clock at night. The game will be on all the TVs, and we'll have the sound up. Uh, we'll be featuring Oviedo Brewing's The Nightful and Hidden Spring Stratashemannigan's. The little <laughs> Tampa Orlando special is going to happen for all night fans. As usual, we'll have a food truck, we'll have cornhole, and we'll have beer pong outside. So come on in and let's celebrate.
4: Uh, hopefully a big win.
2: Uh, outside of Saturday, uh, just tell folks the schedule. The place will be up a holiday weekend. A lot of folks have some things going on. So you guys are there tonight and, of course, uh, for the weekend.
4: Yep, yep.
3: So we're, we're going to be there tonight, of course. we got live music here tonight uh, with, with, with food truck and music, live music and everything. And then on Friday, we're going to have our World Cup watch party at 2 o'clock when USA takes on England, and we'll have pints versus brewskis,
1: basically uh, English, English ale versus American beer. It's going to be a lot of fun.
2: Uh, PoorChoiceTapRoom.com is the website. Check them out on social media platforms as well. Uh, Mills 50 District, it's Poor Choice Tap House. Thanks, Drew. Appreciate it. Happy holiday. Thank you. Thanks Thanksgiving to you, too. Thank you. Mike O'Donnell talks a little college hoops next.
3: Let's go. Time now for Step Back 3 with MOD on the beat
5: of sports. No, I don't have street credit. The guys around me have street credit.
2: Coming up, we will give us top three Thanksgiving side dishes. Top three Thanksgiving side dishes. Again, top three side dishes from Mike O'Donnell. Not just what they are, but why they're in his top three coming up. That's worth sticking around for. But you know how hard it is, Scott, to get? The color analysts of the beach bracket championship game of the Green wow. Light Sunshine Slam, which Mike O'Donnell called last night, UAB beating Georgia. They won the beach bracket, not the ocean bracket, the beach bracket.
0: Well, the thing is, I noticed you sent me a guest list yesterday. O'Donnell wasn't on it. You sent me an updated one today. Right. So I'm assuming you were going through his people to, to make this happen
2: today? Well, when you get done doing the beach bracket, M.O.D., it's hard to get a hold of you, but uh, welcome. Good morning.
5: Well, you should have went through my agent first, Mark Daniels. <laughs> Hello! Wow. Um, yeah, 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 The little thing. uh, I, it is my fault. So, Scott, um, it, it is my fault why the the little show run there, uh, my name was added late because I did the forget to text Mark back, uh, situation. That was, that was my fault. Mark did text me. Uh, in plenty of time, and I failed uh, miserably in that. So it is no. Much- I,
2: listen, it's fine. You're a busy man. You got a network blazer. It's uh, I, I. I was grateful you responded this morning, and you know, we easily adjusted. Oh my gosh,
5: yeah. I, I do miss. Uh, yeah, I, I wish every morning started with a little patronization for Mark Daniels. That'd wow. be great.
2: Wow. Um, I want to dive into something. uh, uh, You'll be there tonight when UCF takes on Evansville, uh, and then the Knights got a big game against Miami on Sunday. But give me some thoughts about UCF's two wins down in the Bahamas. They beat Oklahoma State, rounding down 17, and then beat Santa Clara, and Johnny's team has a nice little rhythm going here.
5: So I won't be calling the game tonight, um, but but, but I will be watching it. Um, UCF is... And I've I've been talking to people just outside of the UCF bubble, you know, nationally, and there's there's a three consensus uh, uh, that comes up when you talk about UCF is number one overachieving is I don't think anybody thought that this UCF team would be this good when you, when you beat Oklahoma State, you beat a really good uh, Santa Clara team, you beat Florida State. And those wins, when you're talking non-conference wins, uh, Oklahoma State is still trying to figure out who they are, and the same with Florida State. And we expect both teams to get better as the season goes on. Those could turn into quad one, quad two wins when you're talking about, hey, who's on the right side of the bubble will come NCAA uh, tournament selection time. So two huge wins in non-conference play for UCF. That they've overachieved their defense, is good, uh, very, very good. If you look at their defense analytically, they're they're not just in the top 100 in the country. They're creeping up on the, uh, the top 50 best defensive team in the country, and they're doing it with a lot of different guys. I think, Mark, I think the unsung hero for UCF has been backup point guard Jalen Young, who probably wouldn't have seen as much time if Darius Johnson didn't get hurt. But Jalen Young, as the backup guard has been really good. So when you're talking about overachieving, you talk about their defense. And the third thing is everybody's all in on Taylor Hendricks, <laughs> and, and rightfully so. Uh, if you talk to media members uh, after the game, uh, 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 just a few games ago, I was talking with an NBA scout, and they said, yeah, he's he's the real deal. That, that kid is really good and really special. And he got the MVP uh, of the tournament down in the Bahamas, and he looked every bit as advertised coming out of high school, and he's played at a, at a level that I think Coach Dawkins and staff thought he was going to be really good, but he's playing at a level that I don't think most people nationally expected him to play at, uh, and he's been excellent. And those three things have been the formula for UCF success. You've got guys, role players have overachieved. The defense has been exceptionally good and they have a star in taylor Hendricks. and right now this ucf team is really fun to watch and you add in darius johnson who is a big time point guard one of the best point guards in the american conference when he gets settled in after a couple games coming back from injury this team is certainly ready to surprise people not just in the american but nationally
2: um I know that they've gone through a ton of changes. It's a new coach. Can you explain Louisville at o n five and not even being no. in any game
5: no i don't even know what to say. I've watched a couple of their games um, and they are uh they're, they're one of the worst major division one they might be the worst how they are the worst power division one team in the country right now. Uh, they look like one of the worst division one teams in college basketball uh, it's It's bizarre now. It was a difficult – you know, Coach Payne inherited a difficult situation. He had to add in pieces that would normally not add in. Um, But they – their problems, Mark, are vast. But their biggest problem is their backcourt. They do not have a good backcourt. I hope that they get better. I think college basketball is great when Louisville is great. I, I think it's more fun just in general when Louisville's really good, but they have so many problems in the backcourt. It's it, it's kind of difficult to actually break
2: down because
5: they're not scoring, they're not defending, they're not taking care of the basketball. There's some serious problems, no question.
2: Um, I've watched uh, them twice this year. You and I have talked about it in the last couple of years. Uh, I think nationally they're much more accepted. Houston can win the national championship. I mean, they went to Oregon and they won, which is oh, not yeah. surprising. They were just better in every aspect of the game. And I think they are one of the best teams in the country.
5: You know, one of the best uh, explanations I've heard about what Houston is, because you know everybody automatically goes to the defense and rebounding, and rightfully so. If you look at the last five years, Top 10 in the country in defensive rebounding in every possible aspect, whether it's transition defense, half court defense, offensive rebounding, defensive rebound, all of it. It's all off the charts. Nobody talks about their offense. And their offense has gotten better and better over the course of the years. They take really good shots. They always have one or two three point shooters. They just don't, uh, they don't play this wild, fun, open style offense. So, in the uh, uh, beach bracket of the Sunshine Slam in Daytona, which I just got done calling, uh, one of the teams in there is St. Joe's. St. Joe's historically has a very, very good offense. They run an NBA-style open offense where they shoot a ton of threes. They want threes or dunks, threes or dunks. And the reason why I bring up St. Joe's is they got absolutely demolished by Houston, About a week and a half ago, uh, as a 30-point blowout, it looked like a varsity versus a junior varsity team. That's how good Houston played. And I asked their head coach, Billy Lang, who was uh, a longtime assistant uh, at Villanova under Jay Wright, and he he was an assistant at the Philadelphia 76ers, fantastic coach. And I said, hey, what was it like playing against Houston this year? And he took a big pause. He folded his arms, and he leaned back in his chair. And I thought Oh, was going to be a good answer. <laughs> and, I, and I was hoping I didn't offend him. And he says, you know, they play hard in an uncommon way that I've never seen. It, it's uncommon how hard they play and how much energy they have. It was almost impossible for our guys not just to match it, but to understand how hard they play. You can't replicate it in practice. You can't talk about it in the game because it just doesn't compute for most players and teams, especially at our level in the Atlantic Tech. This is a special Houston team. They have a great scoring combo guard in Marcus Sasser, All-American candidate. And they have a solid pure point guard in Jamal Shedd. And they have some good freshmen. But outside of that, They play hard in an uncommon way in the likes of which we just haven't seen for a very long time.
2: I want to ask you, I I like John Calipari. I know people kind of wonder about Cal and and, and the gray area. I I, I accept Cal, what he is. I think he's a really good coach. I know, you know... the game of bringing in a ton of freshmen, things like that. I watch a game against Gonzaga. Maybe it's unfair. Gonzaga came off that Texas loss. They were hungry to get a win at home. Uh, they moved that to the Spokane Arena, bigger crowd. But at times when I watch Kentucky, I wonder what they run, and it's almost like AAU basketball. And I'm not trying to insult Cal's basketball intelligence. he will forget more than an hour than i will ever know. But are they kind of just scattered sometimes, or was that just a bad matchup for them?
5: Both. I would say they're scattered in a standpoint of you've got a lot of freshmen who are still learning exactly what Coach Cal wants. He's uh, a fantastic point guard and severe reeler. Now, the thing with Kentucky, when you have that kind of talent and that kind of speed, you rely a lot on rhythm. You know we talked about last week about, you know, how did Gonzaga lose to Michigan State? and the history of Gonzaga when they play teams like Michigan State or Baylor that are physical. And I'm not just talking about they've got big guys, but their guards and wings are naturally very physical and very aggressive, and that's the way they play their defense. Gonzaga struggles with those types of teams. Now, um, Kentucky, the teams that they struggle with, are teams that are fluid on offense, that don't turn the ball over, and that will actually work the shot clock. And teams that take Kentucky out of transition rhythm, of pressing, denial, turnovers, get out dunks, lob, and when you force Kentucky to play slower and you force Kentucky to play for essentially 30 seconds of the shot clock, they aren't as wow. They don't have that wow factor as they normally do. You slow them down. Gonzaga, because of their talent and their depth and the way that they play, they can play fast and they can play slow. They chose to play a smoother, slower game and it caused it it felt like every Kentucky player was trying to create a hero play. I'm talking that specific game, Mark. They were talking that they were trying to make a hero play and that's a team of undisciplined you say that, Mark. Mark, you and I both think that the hate that Calipari receives is is totally blown out of proportion and not war- warranted. Yeah, they're, they're going to be better by the middle of that 16 play. They will because that's that's Coach Cal. He's a good enough coach But a non-conference. You, you wish he had that win against Michigan State. You wish he had that win against Gonzaga. You're trying to get that one or two seeds. And if you don't get those wins in non-council play, sometimes you're looking at 3-4 seed, and Kentucky fans are like, you're kidding me. We look like the best team in the country. If you weren't the best team in the country
2: in the first month of the season. Um, before I get to your Thanksgiving side dishes, I, I, you're going to like this. My 89-year-old mother-in-law texting my wife last night, who just checked in, said, Mommy, good. She goes, yeah, but I'm still up because I'm watching this great basketball game between Creighton and Arkansas. How great is that?
5: Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> that's like the. That's incredible. Yeah. That is incredible. Yeah. I love it. I what love a
2: game it. that it was. That was, was, was awesome. That game, by the
5: way. Yeah. Creighton has. We've talked about Creighton nationally. Uh, in the last five or six years, they've become more than just a quote unquote mid major team, right? Um, they are in a position now to where they are a legitimate Final Four threat. And for the first time in the Doug McDermott era, they're more than just a team that is great on the offensive end. They have an unbelievable point guard in Ryan Nemhard, who is the younger brother of Andrew Nemhard, who's playing great as the Pacers. They have a transfer from South Dakota State who is one of the top mid-major scorers in the country in Baylor-Shireman. And so their offense is just as good as the Creighton offenses in the last five years, which has always been top in the country. The difference is, is they have physicality and an anchor on defense. They have a great center, and they have wings that play a physical-style defense of where they'll get out in denial and get out in passing And It really bothered Arkansas yesterday. Really bothered Arkansas. I know they were shorthanded, and they didn't have Nick Smith their best player, but this is the first time a Baylor team is elite on offense and really, really good on defense. And right now, Creighton looks... A little more. I mean, they look like more than just the top 10 teams to me.
2: Top 3 Michael Donald side dishes for Thanksgiving. Go.
5: Okay, first, you got to go mac and cheese. I like a little uh, I like a little bit of crusted on top. Mm. You know what it is? It's just a little bit of that a, a sprinkle crust on top of the mac and cheese You get a light crunch But it can't go You don't want the crunch to be too deep I want it r- a razor thin level Of crunch on the mac and cheese The second actually uh, um, Is maybe very obvious But I just When you can When you get a big old bite of turkey And you've got some nice Mashed potatoes and gravy That's great but you give me the all grown cheesy potatoes, mm. oh man, yeah. turkey, Shallow. all grown cheesy potatoes, and then the and then the third. It, it, this is this is this is a very this a very big big deal for me. Stuffing, however, you need to get the onions out of the stuffing. No onions in the stuffing. I want it out. I don't want it anywhere near the stuffing. I want no onions n- anywhere near the plate. I'm eating on Thanksgiving. Gotta have stuffing. I'll drizzle, we'll drizzle a little gravy over the stuffing. If there's onions in it, you can forget about it.
2: That's Mike O'Donnell. It's a solid top three side dishes right there. Thank you, Mike. Have a great holiday. I appreciate it.
5: You got it. Happy Thanksgiving. Thanks, Mark.
2: Uh, Mike O'Donnell with a busy bevy of basketball knowledge right there for us.
0: Whoa! We're throwing some like, uh, alliteration in there.
2: <laughs> yeah, I did. Yeah. Uh, 11 o'clock hour. We'll feature Scott in the news, movie Wednesday, and maybe a guest. We'll see. Uh, we'll come back, kick it off uh, next. Let's get a world. Let's really do the news. Yes, now it is time to do the news. But now it's time uh, for the news. Eleven o'clock hour. WYGM Orlando. WJRR HD Two Cocoa Beach. Orlando Sports Leader. is in the Beat of Sports.
0: What up, my news heads? What's going on, everyone? Another edition of the news. And we got some big news just dropped, Mark. Get your opinion on this. During a team meeting minutes ago, Jets players were informed that Zach Wilson is not starting this Sunday's game versus the Chicago Bears. Go.
2: Per Adam Schefter, Richard Todd, former Jet Great quarterback, will be replacing him. This
0: is true. That's what he
2: said. It's not true. Um,. Uh, in 2020, remember, the Jets were 0-13. Mm-hmm. They went two of their final three games and lost the chance to pick Trevor Lawrence. Now, you could say that Lawrence hasn't exactly worked out in Jacksonville, but they were in position to get the number one pick. They took Zach Wilson, and despite being 5-2, and two, the team is going to make a change. They're in the playoff hunt, so it's not like they're playing meaningful football.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And former... South Florida legend Mike White or Raven champion Joe Flacco? Now the options. Interesting. How does this affect your fantasy team? Uh, none. I have no jet on it.
0: Oh, okay. Chris Kreider scored twice in the third period and the New York Rangers, overcame a two-goal deficit for the first time oh. this season in a 5-3 win Woo! over the Los Angeles Kings. Yeah. Take that Wayne Gretzky statement win for you guys. Take that, yeah. After overcoming tough
2: Robitaille
0: games against unranked opponents, top four teams in the college football playoff rankings remain the same. While LSU stayed one spot ahead of USC at number five, Georgia led the Selection Committee's rankings for the third straight week. Followed by Ohio State at number two, Michigan at number three and TCU at number four. The Buckeyes and the Wolverines who play Saturday in Columbus both trailed in the second half last week before keeping their undefeated records intact. Tulane is once again the highest ranked group of five team at number 19, following its home win over SMU and UCF's home loss at Navy.
2: Again, I uh, got a column at 96 thegamecom You can go read why I think the committee did what they did. Part of it is they could justify it based on the resume. And again, the reason why last night's College football playoff ranking matters, I didn't make the rule. That is, the, that is used in a three team tiebreak is last night's rankings, not this Sunday's, uh, uh, or next Sunday's rankings, this week. So if UCF wins Saturday, they are in the conference championship game. Uh, Not to play on the road, but, but they would be in the conference championship game.
0: For Orlando oh actually no other uh college football news sorry this didn't update uh Lance Leopold has signed a contract extension mark that will keep him with Kansas I believe it's through
2: the 2045 season I believe it's the end of the cent- uh the end of the decade
0: Lance Leopold has agreed to a new contract that extends him through the 2029 season Yeah the new deal combined with $300 million in facility investments shows a commitment to building football at
2: Kansas. Say that again. Building football. So they're telling you before yesterday, like, ah, I don't know. Yeah, when Les Miles was there, they didn't actually care. Well, they didn't. So, wow. Tough spot. I'm putting my fantasy lineup together here. So. Yeah? yeah? What do you got? You need any help? Well, it's a tough thing. I mean, uh, the concussion of Joe Mixon. As him, you know, up in the air, and then Tony Pollard somebody had him at his bench last week. This guy. And now he's gonna be playing the Giants Thursday. I don't like that, you know, rooting for a guy in your fantasy team that's playing your team and you know.
0: Text in now. What should no, Mark no, no, do no, no, with no, his please, fantasy please, team? Five zero eight five seven. Oh god,
2: please don't. Yeah.
0: Also, text in restaurant recommendations for Mark this Saturday in Tampa.
2: No. I don't need that. Why not? Uh you know. Got 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 it all taken care
0: of. Uh, Orlando City has uh, announced that they have signed midfielder Mauricio Pereira to a new two-year contract through the 2024 season using targeted allocation money. Uh, he appeared in 39 matches for the Lions this past season, setting the club's uh, single-season record for assists with 12 across all competitions. So the captain will be returning for Orlando City for the next two years.
2: You say something. I'm looking at Donovan Peoples-Jones right now to possibly add. So I. I mean,
0: yeah, the captain for Orlando City Soccer Club is coming back. Mauricio Pereira. Can he play wide receiver? Not for your fantasy team. All right. In other soccer news, Manchester United has placed no restrictions on Cristiano Ronaldo. Can play next, but although he could join another Premier League team. They have already ruled out. uh, Newcastle have already ruled out a move for the striker. The termination of Ronaldo's contract at Old Trafford was due to run until June. Has been described as a clean break, and the 37-year-old can sign for another club immediately without waiting for the January transfer window. Mm. Where do you think he's going to end up? Uh, Chelsea's the the team name that keeps getting bandied about.
2: Really? Yeah. Oh, I don't think uh I don't think anybody in the Premier League. Really? Okay. And I think you and I discussed before, he's not going to go to a second tier team. No,
0: he wants to play in Champions League. Yeah. That's what it's all about.
2: I don't think there's an MLS team yet. Yeah. I do believe he plays before Messi plays here. Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, uh, by the way, what do you make of the Reports that uh, Manchester United now could be the next. The
2: Glazer family says they're open to Mm -hmm. a possible sale. Does that
0: go for about the same as Chelsea? Uh,
2: I think maybe more. Okay, just because they got a lot of debt issues, Um, but uh, it is an unbelievable time in Premier League soccer for the brands that have become available. It's. uh, just shocking, you know. You might get a mid-tier, low-level team, but to have these elite brands be either up for sale or potentially for sale is amazing.
0: Houston Astros ace Justin Verlander and St. Louis Cardinals slugger Albert Pujols won baseball's comeback player of the year oh, awards. i this
2: weekend at fantasy football. Oh, are you? Are you nervous? Yeah. Well, I my, my team is. Well, I mean, we're barely alive right now. So, are you close to like the relegation zone? No, this will take my money, but, um, you know, i got to make a run here if we're going to make the playoffs.
0: Verlander, the American League recipient, returned from Tommy John surgery to lead Houston to its second World Series championship in the lowest ERA in the majors and was a unanimous winner of his third Cy Young Award. Pujols, honored in the National League, came back to St. Louis for his farewell season and posted his biggest numbers in years at age forty. and he became the fourth major leaguer to reach 700 career home runs. This is what Comeback Player of the Years are supposed to be. Not like it's your third year in the league and you've done nothing. This is a Comeback Player award. You have to be coming back from something.
2: (laughs) All right.
0: Uh, and, oh, in other uh, quarterback news, uh, Sam Darnold will be the next man up for the Carolina Panthers. Where's Jake DeLome
2: when you need him? You know? Got a good quality starter as Jake DeLome. I mean, he's sitting on a 19 for 33 for 167, two touchdowns, two picks, and run for 34 yards.
0: Do you want me to look up what Jake DeLome is? uh scored 1-0. Do you want me to look up what Jake DeLome is doing right now?
2: Uh, Yeah. And then let me guess his age.
0: Oh wow! Okay, oh.
2: uh, this guy not trying to spell Delome, hoping that it comes. No, up I know how to
0: spell Delome.
2: Trying to figure out, uh, carry the. Uh, I'm going to say Jake Delome is 46 years old. Jake Delome
0: is 47 years old. Uh, not bad. Not bad. Uh, The last update, he's returned to his hometown in Louisiana. He's working in banking and uh, breeding horses. Really? Yep. Last... uh... Can you name all of the teams that Jake DeLome has played?
2: New Orleans, Carolina. Yep. Cleveland. Yep. Am I leaving somebody out?
0: You're leaving one NFL team out.
2: I don't know. Who's the other one?
0: Houston Texans, 2011. You also left off the Amsterdam Admirals. Whoa, whoa, whoa,
2: whoa, whoa! You didn't ask anything about. I NFL said what teams. Europe. I said what teams he played you for. You didn't ask anything about NFL. I said Europe. what teams. I can tell you where he played college football. Okay. He went to southwestern Louisiana before they just dropped it and became Louisiana because I know the raging Cajuns <laughs> that have been there to call a game. Uh, yeah, he played for the Amsterdam Admirals
0: and then uh, was a World Bowl champion with the Frankfurt Galaxy.
2: Okay. Come back, to a little movie Wednesday next. Time for Movie Wednesday, boys and girls. us happenings on the big screen that you may watch on your handheld device? It's... Thanksgiving weekend, it's always a big movie weekend, although I don't know, Scott, in the new era of how movies are released, if this remains a big weekend. Oh, it used no. to be the Wednesday of Thanksgiving was a monster time to bring out a movie.
0: Uh, it, it's And you know what? It still is, Mark. All right. Uh, yeah, because we've got, uh, for just a few days, Glass Onion and Knives Out Mystery, the Netflix movie, will be in theaters. Also, there is Strange World, the new Disney animated movie. Yeah. And also, uh, uh, we've got Bones and All, the uh, cannibal... I'm sorry, w- what? Bones and All.
2: Okay. A, 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 a movie on cannibalism?
0: It's But it's a love story.
2: Oh, well, of course it is.
0: Uh, also, The Fablemans, the Steven Spielberg movie. Mm-hmm. About himself? Uh-huh. Yeah, so there's uh, She Said as well, the movie about Harvey Weinstein, uh, and the investigation into that. Uh, there's a lot of movies, uh, new releases coming out. Okay. And, and, because I know you pay for the streaming service... I guess I do. Top Gun Colin Maverick will be uh, coming to Paramount Plus at the end of December. Do I have that? Probably. I don't know. You probably do, you just don't realize it. I don't think I do. Yeah. I don't think we have that. You, sh- you might want to look at your credit card statement. Black Panther Wakanda Forever extended its box office reign in its second week of release with 67 in
2: Spain over Costa Rica.
0: ticket sales, uh, and it is now uh, on its way to more than $1.3 billion in ticket sales.
2: Okay. So yeah. And you liked it.
0: I did, yeah. And it's uh, doing a lot better than uh, The Rock's movie.
2: Scott <laughs> doesn't like The Rock.
0: I don't like The Rock, and I thought that movie looked uh, not good. So that's what—that's kind of what you get. All right. And the Rock spent a decade on that movie, and, uh, yeah, it's limping
2: to uh, the end is of it. Is there its, the any F- sign movie. of comic book fatigue? Yes.
0: Um. Yes and no.
2: This, is, this isn't just a, an era now. This is like... This is like a...
0: Well, Spielberg has always said that it's never going to last, and it's going to kind of go the way of the but Western. This has
2: kind of gone on for a while here now.
0: It's, it's gone on longer. I think a lot of people thought that after 2019, when Avengers Endgame came out, that that was going to be... That was kind of the peak of it. Uh, now, there's been factors as to why some of the Marvel movies of recent haven't performed well. Uh, COVID didn't
2: help. Productions didn't help. uh But do you agree, and I'm not the first person, people far smarter than me Mm -hmm. have brought this up, because of COVID and social media, places like TikTok and others, the comedy is almost impossible to do. (laughs) And and as you take that genre out, there's a vacuum there, because people will watch 50 videos that are 60 seconds long, then watch a 92-minute movie, and therefore, comedies are really hard to do.
0: There have been a lot of comedies that just everyone thought was going to... That movie, Bros, just died on the Terrible. vine. Didn't go anywhere. Didn't yeah. go anywhere and didn't help that the star of the movie berated people on Twitter yeah. Yeah. for it not working. Uh, there have been some comedies that have worked, but it has to be something like a romantic comedy, a horror movie comedy, a social comedy. like A movie like um, uh, The Triangle of Sadness is one that is getting a bunch of buzz, but it's yeah. like social commentary involved.
2: So well, it's without giving away what I'm gonna ask you to play, I don't know if, if the movie that I'm gonna ask you to play a clip from would work today.
0: I don't think I, I, I really don't know because yeah. they just they get just dropped now onto streaming services. Yeah. Okay. I mean, Mark, the last comedy that I saw in theaters was Jackass Forever and that was in February. And you can't even really I don't know. If you that can, that
2: counts? Exactly. That's like I don't even know if you can call that a comedy. I yeah, I don't count that as a movie.
0: Avatar will be flying into theaters next month. And when uh, an executive at Fox begged him to make the first movie shorter, he berated him with profanities, uh, saying that, quote, I think this movie is going to make all the bleeping money, and when it does, it's going to be too late for you to love the movie. The time for you to love the movie is today, so I'm not asking you to say something you don't feel, but just know that I will always know uh, that no matter how complimentary you are about the movie, in the future when it makes all of the money. Wow. Big Jim seems like a lot of fun to be around. Yeah. Um,
2: James Cameron probably has a large ego. uh,
0: But I mean, he's made the two biggest movies of all time. He's allowed.
2: Alright, but what would this one cost?
0: Uh, anywhere between 350 to $400 million. He said in a recent interview, the movie has to make at least $2 billion and be the fourth highest-grossing movie of all time to break even. All right. Uh, Indiana Jones will feature a digitally de-aged Harrison Ford. Really? Yes. The 80-year-old hasn't played the character since 2008, but the... Uh, Uh, he said, this is the first time where uh, I've seen it, where I believe it. It's a little spooky. I I don't think I want to even know how it works, but it works.
2: I think I look better than the hologram I have on myself.
0: Okay, that's good. Uh, And uh, lastly, Mark, trailer dropped last week. We haven't talked about this. Man,
2: I liked it. What was it for?
0: Uh, 80 for Brady. Oh, 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 I saw
2: that. Yeah? Okay. I don't think the trailer's bad. Uh Uh-huh. I don't know if the movie's gonna have but but I'll give them credit for a trailer. Mm-hmm. The problem is is that going into theaters? Yeah. That audience won't go. No. Not at all. Yeah, the trailer's not that bad. You know what? We always incredibly corny. Here's the thing: we
0: always say this, Mark. What is it? We always say about uh, trailers for comedies. If you put uh, everything into the
2: trailer, it means the movie stinks.
0: And I'm convinced that all of the funniest bits of that movie, right? The are one in the liners trailer.
2: and everything. Yeah. I mean, uh, uh, Jane Fonda still looks great. I would tell you that much. Well, you watch. Great. No. But not I, go see. Watch like you're scrolling. Oh, if it's somewhere, and I, you know, if I'm on a flight somewhere, I, yeah, sure. I mean, it's got my guy in it, I mean, Gronk's in it. It's got your guy?
0: Guy Fieri! Oh, literally, this? the mayor of Flavortown is in it.
2: Are you in Harry Hamlet? No! Oh, okay. All right, so what do you got? Play this uh, a trailer. And again, I don't even know if this movie works, but this is a Thanksgiving movie. Uh, it's a holiday movie as well, but this is typically the way to begin to see this movie. And then I went down a, a wormhole looking stuff on this, but but here's the trailer for this movie. When the McAllister family left on their Christmas vacation...
1: Did we miss <laughs> the like, No, you just made it. Yeah!
2: They forgot one small thing. Have yourself... I have a terrible feeling. Did you lock up? Let
3: yeah. Yourself be Yeah.
2: Do we set the timers on the lights?
3: Mm-hmm. From what else could we be
5: forgetting?
2: Our troubles will be ours... Kevin!
5: <laughs> Home Alone. Police in the northern suburbs
3: are on the lookout for a pair of burglars who are calling themselves the Wet Bandits.
1: We know that you're in there! It's Santa Claus! And it's Elf! Get off my property!
0: This is my house. I have to defend
2: it. Where's your mother? My
0: mom's in the car.
2: Where's your father? He's at work. What about your brothers and sisters?
0: I'm an only child.
1: Where do you live? he can't tell you that. Why not?
0: Because you're a stranger. He's a kid.
1: I mean, what can a kid do to us? Kids are stupid. I know I was. You still are, Marv. This is it.
2: (laughs) I don't care if I have to get out on your runway and hitchhike. I am going to get home to my son. to take your shoes off. I'm dressed like a chicken. Gus Polinski, poker king of the Midwest. If you have to get to Chicago, we'll gladly drive you. Hey,
0: guys.
2: Yesterday, he was just a kid. But tonight, he's a home security system. You guys give
0: up or you're thirsty for more?
2: From John Hughes. You know, I got a feeling this is going to be your best Christmas ever. A family comedy without the family. Home Alone. Are you here all alone? I'm
0: eight years old. You think I'd be here alone? I don't think so.
2: Directed by Chris Columbus. Coming November 16th. So, uh... Why did the voice get so evil Rather, coming November 16th? Yeah, 1990. And again, I don't know if you could do that comedy today. Um, So I went down the wormhole here. John Mulaney's parents would not allow him to audition for the role. Huh. Macaulay Culkin had done Uncle Buck. Yes, yeah, so he was familiar with Hughes. He was the choice, but they felt, hey, we got to get a bunch of other people to at least attempt uh, to see if we have anybody. Um, De Niro and John Lovitz turned down the role that Joe Pesci takes as Harry. Mm-hmm. And now, we do this all the time, you're like, no one else could play the role. Like Pesci's yeah. perfect at that. Uh, Daniel Stern does Marv. Uh, John Candy had one day to shoot this. Yeah, we've talked about this, yeah. And he was so important to John Hughes, he let him ad-lib everything. And it shows. Oh,
0: but it's great. Because her reactions are like, she's never heard this before.
2: Right. It's fantastic. Um, Winnetka, Illinois, is the town where that home is. Now, they redid a lot of the home in a studio. And it's the same town that... Hughes did a bunch of movies. Uncle Buck, Planes, Trains, Automobiles, Sixteen Candles, Ferris Bueller's Day Off, and The Breakfast Club. It's a pretty good one. Yeah. (laughs) It's a pretty good run of uh, movies. Um, The Tarantula is real. (laughs) The Scream is perfect. Uh, The Scream is perfect. And then Pesci actually bit Macaulay Culkin's hand, and to this day he still has the mark on his finger. Oh, weird. From it. And uh it goes on to be a massive hit and to this day still works. Didn't like any of the other ones.
0: I like the second one.
2: I did. Um and it still holds up today, but I don't think you can release that today.
0: I'm looking through all of the movies that have come out this year and I'm 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 trying to find a comedy that isn't like an
2: animated thing. Yeah, I don't think you can come up with it. I can't. Yeah. Yeah. Um Karen Culkin, by the way, now of Succession fame, is in that movie. Oh, he's um, he's Fuller, right? He's, he's the one that wets the bed. That's correct. Yeah, don't give him Pepsi. There you go. Uh, Gary Paris will preview UCF's now all-important game again against South Florida next.
1: Wow, we've had some amazing broadcasting today. I hope you've heard it all. I mean, if you missed something really cool, I'd feel sad. Oh, no. I think I'm going to go there.
3: I think I'm going to weep. <gasps> Thanks a lot. Listen to what you may have missed by downloading the Beat of Sports On Demand podcast.
2: You may have thought because it's not Friday that we might skip a Kenny Loggins song of the week. We're not pulling that thing, man. We can play Kenny Loggins any day we want, even on a Wednesday like today. Kenny, go.
1: There have been times in my life.
0: been wondering why. Still somehow I believe
1: we always survive.
2: Harris is our color analyst on uh, our UCF broadcast, and come Saturday, we sit next to me when UCF takes on South Florida. Uh, Gary was busy with a uh, high school uh, radio show last night down in Vero Beach, and I don't know when you learned of what happened to the college football uh, rankings, but um, wow, what a difference a day can make, Gary. Now you go from not controlling something, you don't get to play a home game, but uh, something else out to play for this coming Saturday. How are you doing?
1: Yeah, you're exactly right. Matter of fact, we were doing it at a, a pizza uh, pub and, uh, where we had the coaches show, and they have TVs all around. So when they did put it up, I was like, wow, we're at we're, we're 22? <laughs> I'm like, whoa, that's fantastic. And the place in there really enjoyed it when they saw that. There are a lot of UCF fans that are viral fans, too. That uh, uh, were applauding for the uh, for the ranking as it is, so uh, that was good
2: news. Gary, let's go back last week. I, you know, as you look back at Navy, what went wrong?
1: Well, you know, Mark, there there are several things that when I I look back at that game and I and I really thought about the our ability not to run the ball. We had twenty four carries for eighty four yards of um, of rushing, where we've been. Hitting around 240, 100, 250 yards, our inability to end those series. Every possession we had, we you needed to be able to run the ball. We were three of twelve in uh, in uh, third down uh, situations, and one or two for fourth down. And another thing that disturbed me when you look back, we only had the ball 20 minutes out of a twenty out of sixty-minute game, and that that really that really just tells you a lot about how well Navy played against us. And there was one guy, I say one guy wrecked havoc on us that uh, brings back that memory. It was number one John Marshall, their linebacker, who they put all over the field. They had him from from walking back as a as a drop back safety, or he'd come flying up as a linebacker playing uh, on blitzes. That young man had ten total tackles against us, four tackles for losses, and four sacks. So 10, eight of his uh, ten tackles played havoc on us in the backfield. So those were the things I got away. I, I took out of that game uh, from us uh, for us north.
2: Uh Gus on said that John Rice plummets is the starting quarterback, and here UCF takes on a South Florida team. Gary, that defensively they are in some stat categories the worst in. The country. So, what is the opportunity, and what does UCF need to do on offense in this game?
1: Well, I, I think that I think our offensive line has got to come with their A game, would be you know, at least a B plus or A game to to make this thing work. We've got to run the ball. We have got to get uh, uh, you know, we've got to get Harvey get in, back into the game, get him a, a bunch of takes and take carries and we've got to give Bowser some, uh, some opportunities. We've got to do a better job protecting the quarterback, and uh, we've got to be able to run the football. We must, I still think we need to get over 200-some-odd yards of uh, rushing. I think we can do that against this defense. But I saw also the running game opens up the passing game a lot more for Plumlee and for Keene if he's in there at any time. So we've got to be able to establish a run game, Mark, and we didn't do that against Navy.
2: South Florida put up a uh, 42 last week. Uh, they're on a fourth quarterback. Um, you got an interim coach. That some position uh, changes uh, as far as coaches go. They got a really talented running back. Um, so defensively, what's important for UCF?
1: Well, you're right. Uh, they got a freshman quarterback. We've got to get to him. Uh, also didn't do a good job of putting any kind of pressure on him or create any havoc at one time. Izzy, uh Bynum, uh uh Brown was uh twenty one to twenty one in his first twenty one passes. We got a chance to watch some of that game. And uh he was twenty one of twenty five total. So that's eighty four percent of his passes he completed as a freshman. And uh for two hundred and forty yards he threw three touchdowns, which really tells you that this young man was on his game and he ran for 76 yards on 12 carries so i mean he created having both as a thrower and as a runner and then you throw brian batty in there he had a 160 he had a career high 169 yards on 19 so defensively we have got to shut down their running game as best we can and we've got to put pressure we've got to disrupt this quarterback, this young freshman quarterback, we've got to put, you know, uh, some create some situations where we either hurry him or we sack him to take him out of his rhythm and never allow him to get into sync with the game.
2: Fans and media, we get caught up in all this stuff. The TV show last night and now, you know, UCF's back in a position to, to get to a conference title game and get to a big bowl game. I'm sure players know what's at stake, but... I, I'm not quite sure that they get the same roller coaster of emotions, or do they?
1: I, I I think that players I think after a game like that, and I'm gonna tell you I've I've been in some games where we've gotten blown out and you just you're embarrassed for yourself, you're embarrassed for your team, and uh and then you lose a game like you did like last week. I've been in situations where you look back and say, What happened? We we really we're a better team than that and it just didn't happen. So I think Players, they'll get. I think players get caught up in what their position, what they did as a team. They got to get ready for South Florida. They have to put that Navy game behind them. And I guarantee, you by Sunday, you know, after the the coaches had a day to think about everything, and they started thinking on focusing on South Florida because you can't step back and you can't dwell on the past. You've got to get ready for the future, and there is a future here now. And uh, with the ratings coming out, uh, that really gives some boost. And I think it gives the team some momentum, put some fire in them. I mean, it, not that they did, but they just they needed a, a boost. And that would be motivating sh- me if I knew all we had to do was win the game and we're in the playoffs for the conference championship. That's a great motivation right there. And this, these guys will go back and they'll do that. Because you it got uh, Williams as a – T. Will as a – Travis Williams is your defensive coordinator, and that guy's—he is, is a—he'll get you fired up. He gets me fired up listening to him. I'm in the in the press box with you, and I get fired up out there watching him go on the sideline or listen to his interviews. And, and he's a great motivator. He's a great teacher, and this team will bounce back. And offensively, I think uh, we our offensive line will do have probably hoping to have the best game of the year, and I look forward to that. And and uh, so I just think it's a matter of getting motivated yourself, and and they will, Mark. They absolutely, I truly believe that this team will be ready to play on Saturday night.
2: Have a happy Thanksgiving. Love to the family. I'll see you in a couple of days.
1: All right, buddy. Thank you.
2: Gary Barris, some insight to the UCF uh, Knights and their matchup uh, coming up against the Bulls of South Florida. Come back. Put a wrap on our Wednesday show. now.
4: Time for the latest news, Gossip Trends and off-the-wall stories. Trends. That's the craziest
3: thing I've ever heard.
2: You see a basketball tonight. uh, The night's take on the Purple Aces of Evansville. Nice. uh, For tonight. You know, uh, uh, Chris producing now? Yeah. Uh, 6.30 pregame tip set for uh, 7 o'clock. Then we got NFL football Thursday. All all day tomorrow. The triple
0: header tomorrow. All right. Uh, Beginning at noon. Um, I was going to ask you this. When we return on Monday, what team will Lane Kiffin be the coach of?
2: Ooh. Ooh. I don't know. He has um, carefully chosen his words and tweets regarding rumors of him going to Auburn. From one reporter. And then uh, kind of mocked that reporter. But I, I don't know. That will be a really interesting question. Uh, we'll have to see. But that's a very good question. The Egg Bowl is uh, tomorrow. Will that be Elaine Kiffin's last game? Good question. Florida, Florida State, Friday night. Um, Gator broadcast on 540 WFLA.
0: You think that will do good ratings with it being on a Friday now?
2: It'll do well. Okay. <clears throat> I mean, we say it, it's not going to draw 10, 12 million people, but it'll it it'll it's do do well. It's at night, though, well. right? So it doesn't yeah. worry about the yeah. U.S. U.S. men's uh, first match against Wales drew over 8 million people. Not as big as it was in 2014, the last time the U.S. was in the World Cup, but a decent number. I think the match Friday against England will do very, very well. Um, so, anything big you got?
0: Uh, I, I told you I I'm, I'm working Memphis basketball this coming
2: weekend out at Disney. You'll be out at Disney uh, being the engineer for a couple of their games? I will, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I'm excited, I'm excited about yeah, that. Yeah, i not going to wear like, Mickey ears and court courtside.
0: Is it wrong that I'm thinking I have Shaq and... a
2: big, goofy hat? Hey, what's going on? Is it... I have Shaq and Penny socks. Is it is it wrong that I, that I might yeah. wear them one of those days? You're not going to, like, ask Penny to sign it while you're wearing the socks or something. No, that'd be, I would never
0: ask. I would, you, you know me. In these situations, I'm very professional. I've, I would never ask for an autograph. No. no.
2: Okay. Well, there you go. Um,
0: no, are you kidding me? It's Black Friday shopping, man.
2: Got that happening, too. How so. many packages
0: have been showing up at your house?
2: Every day? Yeah. It's been a pretty good run. It's uh it's been a it's been a pretty good run. So uh we're off Thursday and Friday, back on a Monday. Hope you have a wonderful Be safe. Uh Thanksgiving. Yeah, just be safe. Weather's gonna get really nice a couple of days, a little overcast today. I know it's gonna clear out of here and be uh, uh really, really nice. Um and I, you know, be thankful for a lot of stuff. Uh we're often transparent this show. It's not a normal Thanksgiving for me. Uh we got uh, priorities that uh, uh, come into play, and, and family matters. So it's not going to be the typical big Thanksgiving at my house, but our family will be together, and um, that's what matters. And I hope uh, for those that uh, have a chance to spend time with their family, you do so. And if you're um, if you're in a spot where you find someone that doesn't have family to be around, reach out. Uh, friendship goes a long way. Uh, the holidays can be tough on a lot of people. And uh, the week, as always, do something kind for someone that uh, doesn't expect it. They will really appreciate it. You'll feel better about yourself, and having a big heart is a good thing. All right? Thanks for hanging out with us. Have a great holiday. Scott produced. I'm Mark Daniels of Beta Sports.